right at formation, we want to understand, and I, I immediately want to consult with an IP attorney to harvest whatever IP there is. So typically at formation, there is a trademark and a domain name, and there is the name of the company. And hopefully you pick a name that works both for the Delaware Secretary of State, for GoDaddy or Google Domains, whoever's hosting your website, and also is available on the website of the USPTO as a trademark and whatever symbol that you want to use or branding or logo is, is available with it uh, in the stream of commerce where you want to use it. Um, so, so that's that's something that, it, especially if you're going to be selling a product to consumers, you're probably going to want to protect uh, early on. If you're if you're really going after the enterprise market, perhaps less important at, at the outset to get that trademark because you can always change the name and uh, later when you're really scaling into the enterprise. Um, now, patents. That was what you asked. I still want that IP attorney to to do a deep dive with the entrepreneur for probably an hour to understand the business and to understand what which parts of the technology that is being developed is going to be protectable via patents. And it used to be, you know, 10, 20 years ago, Vitaly, that there was almost a race from formation to make as many patents as possible. And in your pitch deck, you'd say, I've got three patents applications on file or five or whatever it was. And, and you used a lot of that friends and family seed capital to write patents. And in today's day and age where uh, technology, at least, is much more um, code-based and software-based, um, you know, you're really not thinking about patents in the same way. Um, you're really looking to protect your ability to access a market rather than protecting a technology esoterically. Um, it is a defense mechanism, not an offensive mechanism. Now, if you're a patent troll, that's that's a different discussion, and, and nobody here that's watching this is interested in that. So I'll, I'll put that aside, just acknowledging it's there. Um, but but patents is, are not something that we necessarily want to go after right away, um, unless uh, unless there really is is uh, something that you need right away to go after your market. So typically, we see patents being filed, um, you know, I would say after a minimum viable product has has been uh, determined and after you've raised probably a million of seed capital um, and a patent typically costs, you know, just your first one, you know, 10 to 20, maybe even more for the first one and then less as you, as you build on follow-on patents. Um, and, and you want to have each idea which goes after each market in a separate patent so that if ever patent is invalidated that you still have other other patents to protect your market and you don't want to put them all in one uh, patent application. Um, now, if we do determine that there are uh, protectable ideas, um, what we can do is, is, is very quickly file what's called a provisional patent application. And that really just requires, you know, a stream of consciousness white paper uh, where you where you put down your ideas and, and the applications and, and the applications to the markets. Um, and you put you essentially put that in your business plan with a cover sheet uh, to the USPTO. And from the date of filing, you have one year uh, to then file a full patent application, which is the thing that's going to cost ten to $20,000. And when you file your patent app, your full patent application, it will, it will give you the priority date of your provisional patent. And everything that, that happened afterwards will have been deemed to have been um, protected by that initial date. But 
The, the tricky part is, is that if you file that provisional too quickly, um, you may not be ready to file your patent within a year if, if your um, technology development requires a longer time to, to, to come to market. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the most common legal questions that I get founders, especially first time founders, kind of nosing around and asking for advice on. So it's great. Yeah, and if I can uh, add to that, I think I think um, founders used to we used to think that a company might be valued in relation to the number of patents that it has, and that's just no longer the case. Um, it is it is a prerequisite uh, for you to have um, barriers to entry to protect your market, and if you need patents to do that, your investors are going to assume that you you have got them or you're going to get them, and they value you accordingly. And it has nothing to do with uh, the number of patents that you have. Yeah, and the software speed just moves so fast that uh, you know the two to four years that it takes to get a patent might be completely irrelevant uh, at some point. So um, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about fiduciary responsibility as a founder. What legal obligations and risks do you carry? Um, great question. So one of the first things we want to do is is uh, make sure that whatever liability of the business uh, or of your idea is in the box uh, that is, surrounds uh, the business in a corporate entity. So that's why we want to form an entity uh, as soon as is prudent, uh, as soon as you can uh, do so in relation to your prior employer or, or then current employer. Um, yeah, because, and, and then from that moment, um, whatever business you do should be done in the name of the company, and then you are protected from personal liability um, insofar as whatever liabilities the business has, hopefully that stays in the in the Delaware C Corporation. And that it remains the case, except if you fail to pay uh, payroll taxes or you fail to pay salary uh, to employees uh, that you had promised to pay. And there, uh, uh, the state will look through a corporate entity and sometimes hold the directors and officers personally liable. Um, so, so now you're a director, let's say, of, a, of, of your startup, and what are your fiduciary duties? You have a duty as a director of a company of loyalty and care to the corporation that you formed. Um, the corporation is a separate existence to you. Um, it is not your personal piggy bank, um, especially after you take money uh, from other investors. You are supposed to be looking out uh, for the company's best interest when you act on behalf of the company and not for yourself. And so um, you know, there have been many public instances of, of CEOs uh, in the last year or two um, who uh, failed to see that distinction and and did business in their own names um, uh, with their uh, startups. And um, any uh, agreement that exists between a founder and the startup um, will be presumed to be an insider transaction and void or voidable unless approved by a minority of the, uh, uh, pardon me, a majority of the minority shareholders or uh, a majority of the disinterested board members. And so uh, it, it's very important that you um, right away, uh, you know, set up accounting systems to track the, the money that you raise and so that you can report to investors on, on where their funds have gone and, and you can defend yourself from any, any claim that you might have uh, violated your duty of loyalty, which should be to the company first. Now, as to your duty of care, um, that duty is to uh, show up, uh, read the board materials, follow the law, um, uh, do what you're supposed to do, um, and, and do what a reasonable or 